when hardships come, we can rest in Christ knowing that we're secure in him instead of ourselves. And, and it's through grace that, that we've gained that identity in Christ. It's through grace that, that God has given that to us. So we, we see that it's only th- it's peace that is achieved through grace that is given to us. So as we look at Ephesians and this, this letter that Paul has written to these Christians, we see this identity being worked out. He, he establishes who we are in Christ. And then he establishes, because of that, then what happens afterwards. How do we live our lives? And, and really today, as we, we get into the, the last part of the second chapter, we will actually get to finally start seeing what our identity is. And, and that's today, while we're talking about constructing our identity, to see who we are and, and what that means So if you will, follow along as I read. We're going to be Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22 today. So if you'll follow along while I read. It says, Therefore remember that one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the flesh, the divide in his flesh, the dividing walls of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So that you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows in, uh, into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also were being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Y'all will pray with me. We'll ask God to guide us uh, through this today. Father, we, we come to you today and acknowledge that, that we desperately desire to know who we are, that, that everything in our lives, the choices that we make, are often just merely ways to see who we are. And God, I pray that today that, that your truth would be revealed to us, that your spirit would, would speak to us individually, that that not only individually, that corporately we would find our identity in you through your Son and that it would be revealed, be revealed by your Spirit to us today. God, we just acknowledge that we are incapable of understanding this without your help. And so today we just pray that your Spirit would speak to us as only you can. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And see, so today as we we continue to look at these verses, basically we see a a progression of our identity being constructed. We see in this passage the construction of our identity. But the difference that we'll notice is it's contrary to what society says or what culture says that this this identity isn't being constructed by us. If, if, If you have this identity or this idea that your identity is secure in the things that you do, 
the, the things that you eat, how you work out, how you live, maybe your job, that that's who you are, then, then really what we look at today might be a little unsettling because it takes it away from us and places it solely on Christ. And, and that's not to say that those things aren't, aren't good. It's not to say that, yeah, we, sh- we should take care of our bodies and, and it's good to have a career path that, that is good. But what it's saying is that our identity is not found in that, but it's found in Christ. And we'll see this progression of this construction that we see. And we'll, we'll see that our true identity is constructed, by, is constructed by God for his glory and through his actions. Instead of for our glory and our actions. Um, after I graduated high school, I worked as a, a framer on, on two different times. Two different times just because I was young and then I hated it and so I quit. And then I found myself doing it again. And it was one of those things where I can do better stuff. And then I think I went to roofing. And I thought, no, framing's much better than roofing, so I'll go back to that. But what I enjoyed, I enjoyed learning that trade. And what, what I grew tired of was the repetition. And see, when you, when you build houses or frame houses, you, you show up at a bare foundation that's already been prepared for you. And then it's the same thing over and over. You get this bare foundation, then you lay it out. You, you, you look at the blueprints, you lay it out. Then you frame the walls, and then you've got to brace the walls. And then after you brace the wall, it's going to come to the joists and the rafters. And once you get the joists and rafters set, then you start doing the faucet and, and the soffit and everything on the outside, and, which was always eventful when you got the joists and rafters because I grew up in West Texas, and in the spring, the wind blows. And so I was the, the young guy, so I was always the wall walker, meaning I was the one that had to climb up on top of the little two-by-four top of the wall and, and grab these giant two-by-sixes to hand up to the guy that was secure up on the ladder to nail them up for the rafters and everything. So it was always eventful because you never knew what would be happening. It's like, if I fall, do you try to land on your feet? What do you do? Do you grab something and try to hang on? I don't know. It was, it was crazy. But, but that's all it was. You finish one house, you just hit repeat. You do the same thing. You're back to a bare foundation. Now you're laying it out. You're laying in. Yeah, they're all different, but it was the same process. And so I grew so accustomed to that routine that, that I didn't even have to think about it. And, and what we see is today's text is kind of like that job. It's, it's a picture of God constructing our identity. We, we see all the elements in it for the construction of who we are. And it's, it's a critical construction because the outcome of our lives depends on it. What we see and how we view ourselves and our identity depends on the condition of the completed project that we see. Our identity is the key to everything. That if we're secure in the world, it's because we're secure in our identity. It's because we know who we are. If we don't understand who we are, then we waffle back and forth. And so that's, we see that the security then comes not from us, but from God constructing our identity. That if it's us doing it, we've seen that that hasn't worked in the past. What we've tried to do, just like me switching from framing houses to roofing to doing other things, it never worked because I was trying to identify who I was through what I was doing instead of who I was and what Christ has done. So the, the first aspect of, of construction and building is always the foundation. And that's what we see in verse 11 through 13. Look at those again with me. It says, Therefore remember that, one, that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh... Remember Gentiles, he's talking to the Christians uh, in Ephesus. These aren't Jewish people that he's speaking to. It says, at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that, in verse 12, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, 
alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world. So you see right there is that when you first get to this job site, you see that the foundation is already prepped. It, it wasn't that, that it was just magical. There's someone had already done it for you. And that's what we see Christ is, uh, we see Paul here is telling us that our foundation is being prepared. He's reminding these Ephesians of what they used to be. He's saying, look back at who you were. And see, and if you look back at who you were and you see what was happening, who you were previous to understanding who Christ was, then you'll see that the foundation that God's already being built in you. That you were, as God starts preparing this foundation, you have to remember that one time you were cast out. That you were strangers and alienated without hope. And not only that, is that you were outcast by the people in the church. That's what he's saying, that, that they were called names, that, that you were once called the uncircumcision, uh, what is called the circumcision. These are the Jewish people calling them names. They're, they're making fun of them for who they are. And how many times have we ourselves been in that same situation that we're alienated, that we have no claim to any of the hope and then the people that claim to have the hope are the ones ridiculing the people that don't have it. They're, they're saying, look at this. You aren't good enough. And that's what Paul's saying is that this is what happened. You were stranger to the promise. You were separate. You had no idea what you were missing. You were completely foreign to this concept of hope that we see in the gospel. And that's where we see the rea- reality of ourselves. That, that we too, just like the Ephesians, we were born outcasts. We were born marred with sin, alienated without hope because we were separated from God. And see, just as the Ephesians witnessed it, there's so many of us that at the same time have experienced people within the body of Christ separating themselves from others. People within the body of Christ saying, no, you're not good enough because of who you are. Even though we claim to have this hope and this identity in Christ, you've got to get something else first. You've got to change the way you live. We can't accept that. And, and that's not to say that that's a, that's a slippery slope there because there is instructions and commands that, we, that our lives should change. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's not talking about just this choice. He's talking about who they were from birth. He's saying that you were cast out because you were a Gentile. You were not Jew. You didn't have this hope that they had. You were alienated from the promise. This covenant that God had with his people, you weren't a part of. And they're reminding you of that. But see, here is where we see one difference in Paul's writing. Look at the end of verse 11. Which is made in the flesh by hands. So now what we see is Paul, he's reminding them, look, look how they treated you. Look how the Jews treated you. They, they, they reminded you so many times. And you were, your identity was reminded over and over again. You brought that, they brought that back because of who you were. But now he says at the end of verse 11, but what they used here to, to remind you of what they were was something that they had done to themselves. So, in, in a sense, what Paul's saying here is that they weren't right either. What, what they used to distinguish who they were 
was actually something that was given to them. It was a fleshly thing. He's saying that's not good enough either. Right there, Paul is bringing to the front the fact that the basis for the Jews boasting here is their own works or their own religiosity, if you will, that, that we saw last week in verse 9 that wasn't the case. Because we're supposed to boast in Christ. It's not of our works so that no one can boast. And that's what he's saying the Jews were. They were boasting in what they had done. Their identity was secure to them by what they did, not what Christ did. So that keeps them separate as well. So we see that the, the religious people were in the same boat as the Gentiles is what Paul's saying. Is they were finding hope and security and identity outside of who Christ was. They weren't any different. The foundation of their identity needed to be prepped again. Because that's what happens. You don't just show up at, at land and start building. If you do, then there's going to be all sorts of problems. You have to prep that land. You have to, you, you have to level it. You have to see what's wrong. You have to see where the water flows. You can't just put it anywhere. And so that was the same thing that, that when we would show up to, to frame a house and we'd see the slab, there was always evidence of what was around you, you could see maybe dirt piled where they had to, to level stuff out. Or you could see rocks. If it was rocky, you would see that. Oftentimes, there was evidence that they brought dirt in to level it. Now, around here, you see this more because we didn't have hills in Lubbock. It's like flat. But around here, you, see, you might see retaining walls built where they had to come in the side of the hill and build. And what, all that was is the, the, the foundation was being prepped. And that's what Paul's doing here by exposing the unleveled ground of our own attempts to construct our identity. He said, you were cast out. You had no hope. You're an alien from the promise that God had because you weren't a Jew. But he's also saying, but then the Jews were also not prepared for that identity because they were gaining everything they had in themselves instead of in Christ. And so that's when we see the true foundation revealed. When Paul continues in verse 13... But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ alone is the true foundation of our identity set. In Christ alone are we brought near. And that's what he's saying. It's now who you are, the foundation of who you are is is by the fact that Christ has brought you near. Those of you that were cast out, you were stuck in this religious cycle of doing the things that you thought would get you there or you just had no idea what it was so you were living the way you thought he's saying no you were brought near in Christ by the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross you've been brought near those of you that were far off have been brought near and that's where we see the foundation of our identity is that we see that it's we've been brought near through Christ And see, without prepping that and understanding who we are previously, then we're not going to understand who we are in Christ. Because if we're going to obtain that, we've got to know who we were before. And if we don't understand the the truth of who we were, alienated without hope, then our identity is still going to kind of rest on us. That, That we'll still recognize that, that, yeah, okay, we're secure in Christ, but I wasn't as bad as the other people. We still have that tent. So the foundation for identity isn't set. The, the efforts then of those outside the church remain the same. They just try to obtain it through living how they know. But the efforts of those inside the church continue to, let's do things correctly, and then we might gain something. 
But in order for us to, to see this construction of our identity, we need to understand that we were cast out. By birth, we were alienated because of sin. But now in Christ, we who were once far off have been brought near. We who were once far off have been brought near. And that's the foundation then that God uses to build our identity. And we see the next part as we continue to read that, that once we have the foundation ready to go, once you have the foundation right, then you can start building. And so this next section here, we see the framework of our identity. In verse 14, I'll we'll read it again. Verse 14 through 18 is the framework for our identity. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments or ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. And 16, and might reconcile us to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And see, we see in verse 14 that Jesus is our peace. And, and when we look again at verse 13, we see that it's through Christ and his blood that we realize that now it's the gospel that gives us this peace. Why is Christ our peace? Because it's through him that we've been brought near. It's through him that we've been brought in. You can almost see this picture of a, of a child being brought into their, their parents' arms. It's, it's secure, it's comfort. If you, if you have kids and you've, you've seen that, that when they get hurt, what do they immediately do? They run to you. And that's, that's why Christ himself is our peace, but it's because it's through Christ that we've been brought near. And this is where he starts the framework then to construct our identity. And, and you see actually that our identity is being built on the blueprint of the gospel. That it's in the gospel we see how we're built. It's in the gospel we find who we are. We first see that Christ is our peace, but then this peace comes through an action of Christ. What does he do? He breaks down the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. So he doesn't just leave us where we are. He doesn't just leave us separated. No, he breaks down the barriers. You see, Paul was reminding the, the Ephesians that they were separate. You were, you were cast out from birth. You were separate. You weren't chosen. But no, not only were you brought near in Christ, that he, he broke down those barriers. So as we start building our identity now, we realize that there's no division in people. That we can be secure in who we are. Why? Because we are all equal. The barrier separating everyone has been destroyed. Christ came to fulfill the law, so there's no longer a need for salvation through upholding it, because he did. That division that, that he took down, took both sides of that. It's, he took down the ability to, to think that we have to earn our salvation, because he did it for us. There's, there's now nothing separating these two sides because the law was what separated. The, the Jews, they had the law. They knew what they needed to be close to God again. They knew the sacrifices, the ordinances. But here, what Paul's saying is that in 15, by abolishing the law, the commandments, and ordinances, that he now, there's nothing special about anybody. The, the special part of their identity is now constructed on who Christ is. And this is the framework that we're all the same. 
Then, and there's people that then talk about this dividing wall. If you look at, at commentaries, you hear stuff about this, that, that maybe Paul's talking about the, the temple. Because in the temple, you had the, the court of the Gentiles and the Jews, and you literally couldn't go in there. There's, there's places still there that you can see these inscriptions on the, on the walls of the temple where it said, enter, um, basically enter and you will die. Like, you're going to be killed. You can't, you can't hit, you're not good enough to be in the spark. But if you take that, if you take that and say, okay, this is the dividing wall. He's, Paul's literally meaning there's a, no longer a dividing wall in the temple. You've got to take it a step further and say, well, now there's not only a dividing wall in the temple between Jews and Gentiles, but there's not a separation between the Jews and the Jewish priests. You see, when Christ died, the veil was torn in the Holy of Holies. So now it wasn't just the priests that could go back there once a year. Now it was completely open. So there literally is no distinction in people, not even the Jews within themselves or the Jews and the Gentiles. Everyone is one in Christ because that's what he was doing. Why did he abolish the law, the commandments, and ordinance? That he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. Making peace because now everyone is equal. There's this unity. There's a peace because of the abolishment of the commandment that came from the law of those who couldn't uphold it. It's gone. On the cross, God began constructing our new identities. He was building the framework in who we are by placing his son on the cross instead of us. So why did he destroy that? Because he created that new person. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in, in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He's creating us new. He's building a new identity. God is constructing an identity for us in Christ. And this is the framework. This unity is the framework. This newness we're talking about starts with the construction of our new identities in Christ. And it's built on the foundation of who Jesus is. We see that later in verse 22. In verses 16 and 18, we see this framework raised. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And verse 17 says, And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. It was accessible to everyone. There wasn't any special person because there's no dividing wall anymore. So he preached peace to those who were far off, the Gentiles, and then preached peace to those that were near, the Jews, because there's nothing separating them now. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So through Christ, we have access to God. Our identity, when we see the framework constructed of who we are, it's in the fact that Christ came to completely eradicate any barrier between people so that we see who we are in him alone. We don't see the distinctions between us as identifying us. We see him as identifying us. The framework for our identity comes from the unity achievable only in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. Therefore, we shouldn't see the separation. This is what God was doing. He was reconciling people to himself through Christ. This reconciliation was accomplished only through Christ on the cross. It's only achievable through that, not any other means. And so in the blueprints of our identity, the gospel... There's no room for exclusion or inclusion based on who we are because we've all been included. The barriers have been broken. We can't add things to this. We can't separate this. There wasn't a bigger difference between the Jews and Gentiles of this time. There wasn't a bigger separation, spiritually speaking, than that, other than everyone and God. 
And so we can't now, when we see our identity being built in the gospel, that we've been created new, that there's no division, there's no hostility between people anymore because of what Christ did. We can't come in now and say, well, well, then you can't do that. Or we can't let them in. The moment we understand that the framework of our identity that God is constructing is not found in the color of our skin or the size of our bank accounts or the, the efforts of our ministries even, the, the career path that we choose, once, the moment we see that our identity is not in that is the exact moment that we start seeing people as equals. And we see people as equal, we start seeing who we are. We're not going to see people equally until we're secure in our identity. And we're not secure in our identity until we realize that it rests on Christ alone. It's not what we do. And that's, and that's what our entire society says. If you look at Facebook, that's all it is, is about how people are redefining themselves through what they're doing. That's not necessarily bad unless it's the only way you gain your identity. Becoming healthier is not going to make you a better person as far as in relation with God and yourself. That only happens in Christ when we realize that it's God that's built our identity in Christ, not our actions that's built our identity for us. Our new identity is so special and so different that we realize that now we have access to the Father. See, we were separated without hope. See that in, in verse 12, we were alienated from the commonwealth. We we're strangers to that covenant of promise. We had no hope without God. So Christ then comes and draws us near who were cast out and, and starts building on this foundation of himself and, and giving the framework for this identity and this unity of all people, completely taking away what's going to create hostility. And then not only that, but he gives us access to the Father then. Because of our identity in Christ, we have access to the Father. If our identity is not in Christ, then we're still separate from him. And we must fight that urge that wells up in us to see people differently. The, the, the easiest way we see this thing is, is through racism. And it's, and it's happened throughout history, obviously. That's what we're talking about here. That's what, Christ, that's what Paul is talking about. But, but here, in the building blocks of our own identity, is the understanding of the dividing lines have been destroyed. There's no need for racism. Why? Because we're all equal in Christ. And if we are truly in Christ, if we truly understand, if we are Christian, this new man, then there's no room for us to think that other people, because of the color of their skin or what they do, are any less valuable than we are. Because we are all cast off. We are all cast off. It's through the understanding of the gospel that we retain our true unique identities, yet don't use those to exclude people. Because when God constructs this identity, we're, we're, each, we're, we're each uniquely built. We see in verse 4, uh, when we get to, ver I mean, sorry, chapter 4. When we get to chapter 4, we'll see that we've been given gifts and talents in this new identity. But for now, Paul just says that, no, you, these unique identities that you've been given, that have been constructed in Christ, are unique. But it's only in the security that Christ gives that we actually... Realize that that uniqueness is a positive versus a negative. And we don't see people differently because they're different. We see the, the, we see the product of their uniqueness being to bring glory to God all the more than to themselves. And so is, is your identity secured 
by pointing out differences between yourself and others because that's what racism really does. It just says, I want to be secure. I'm insecure in myself, so I'm going to point out where other people are different so it's going to make me feel better. So is that where you find your identity? Or are you celebrating the differences of others because your identity is secure in Christ? And that's how we see where we get. We don't need to do all of these things. We don't need to, to, to make ourselves better to improve a better version of ourselves. We can't become a better version of ourselves any more than Christ has already created that in us. And that's where we see at the end of this. We see, the, we see the grand finale. We see the finished product of this identity in verse 19. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In these final verses here, Paul answers the question then, okay, if God has constructed this new identity for us, what does it get me? Because that's what it is. Okay, so yeah, I'm good. I'm in Christ, so what does that get me? That's always the question. And here's what Paul's saying. Because that's really what we want to know. We, we gain something. So, okay, so what benefit do we have because of that? And that's what Paul tells us. The, the end result here is that through our new identity, we're no longer strangers and aliens. See, we've completely come full circle from 11 and 12 saying you were alienated from God. Now he's saying, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens. Not only that, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. So we're not alienated and strangers from this commonwealth of Israel, this chosen people. No, we're all chosen now, so we're not strangers because Christ has brought us new. In Christ, we have a new citizenship to go along with our new identity. And it's through that new identity constructed only by God that we have this citizenship. But it's not just the citizenship. Look further. Verse 20. Be your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we don't just have this new nationality. We don't have this new citizenship. No, we have a new family. We're citizens of God's kingdom because we're part of God's family. We bear his name and the comfort and security that comes with him is what we've gained. And that's what happens. That's what happens with citizenship. If you think about it, if you're a U.S. citizen, you're protected by the security that's provided by that. It's secured to us through the, through the efforts, efforts of the soldiers that, that secure our freedom for us. And that's what Christ did for us. He was the ultimate soldier that secured our identity and created this benefit that we have. We see it as Americans, but we also see it as Christians even better because in Christ we're secure. We're in his family. We get to see this finished product it's fun to build something and, and see the parts going together, but it's even better to see the finished result. And as you're building it, you kind of see it, but not until it's completed do you actually see the, the efforts of your work. And that's what Paul's talking here. Is just as when you build a house, and if, if you've ever built your own house, you understand that now all of a sudden it's new. When it's finished, you get to move in. It provides comfort, provides security. But it's not complete security. It's not impossible for people to come in. It's not impossible for people to break in and, and, and 
damage that security. So you gain that comfort. But in Christ, with our newly constructed identities, we have this identity that grants us a security and comfort that can't be overcome. It will not wane. How do we know this? The last two verses of this passage. We know it because Paul reminds us that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple. The foundation of our identities and lives are built on the people that God has inspired to reveal his blueprints to us. That's the apostles and the prophets. See, they are the foundation that our identity has been built on because they're who God chose to reveal it to us. If God hadn't inspired Paul to write this, then we couldn't see that our identities were rooted in what he was given by God and ultimately in Christ. But we see that Christ still is the most important part. Even though the foundation is built, the foundation is set on the apostles and and the prophets, the ones that God inspired, but it's also set on Christ. He's the most important part. He's the cornerstone. He's the, the piece of the foundation that sets everything else true. That the cornerstone is not accurate, then nothing else will be. And see, Christ is that cornerstone. There's no better foundation than the one that God has built for us and set true in Christ. In Christ, we're given everything we need for identities. We know that we don't have to achieve it through buying things that are going to make us better, through gaining new status, through purchases and and material things. We don't have to do it physically through working out or changing the way we eat. That's not necessarily bad, but that's not the end result. You don't achieve your identity through what you do. You achieve your identity because it was given to you when you were brought near in Christ. In his book um, entitled Amazing Grace, author uh, Eric Metaxas, he tells the story of William Wilberforce, who was basically the champion of the the abolishment of the slave trade in Britain in the 18th century. And, And it took him 20 years plus every year bringing the motion into parliament to try to get it abolished. It took 20 years. Literally, he did it every year. And they would argue about it. And sometimes it was close to passing. Sometimes it wasn't. At one point, um, at one point they had passed it and it was going to be set back. And like, which is what we see all the time here is you pass legislation, then it's effective in five years. And that's what they had done. But in between that time is when we had Napoleon start his campaign. And so that pushed that back. And they thought, well, that's not as important. But in that we know that it was finally abolished and that he quotes this historian and that the historian said that on the last night of slavery, the Negroes in our West Indian islands went up to the hilltops to watch the sun rise, bringing them freedom as its first rays struck the waters. And that, that historian is saying is that that morning when they saw the sun, all of a sudden they were free. But Metaxas Metaxas takes this thought further and he says those beams of sunlight that morning literally illuminated a new world an undiscovered country that no one had seen before and so it was those rays of lights created this new world these new opportunities that no one had ever seen before because they weren't capable of doing it and that's exactly 
what we see when we see that our identity has been constructed for us by God. We see that there are so many opportunities that we weren't able to see before because we are too busy gaining our identity through what we did instead of resting our identity in what Christ has already done. And so that leaves us really with two types of people. Those that continually redefine who they are by what they do. Even if they are part of the church, if, if you're defining who you are by what you've done, even if it's, quote, ministry, then your identity is not rooted where it should be. It's not being constructed on the foundation that God has done. Or that leaves people that are so secure in our identity because we understand and we know that, that who we are are, even the very essence of who we are, we've been brought near to God by what he's done. Then we're, not nor- then we're not worried about what the world does. Yes, we go into the world because we want to see them have the same realization of this new light coming, providing a new life that the gospel is. See, the gospel is that sunrise that the slaves were looking at. The gospel is that sunrise that when it appears, all of a sudden you're free because you know who you are in him. And so that's why we go out, because we want them to experience that same sunrise that we too have saw on that morning when we see that our lives are secure in Christ alone. That's why the gospel is so important. That's why it's so important to know that our identity is secure because it's constructed by God on the foundation of Christ alone. Let's pray.